0: check.
1: Father, we're here for you this morning. We pray for uh, everything we sing, everything we hear, um, everything we do here this morning, God, to be for you, for your kingdom, for your glory. We pray that we um, move a little bit closer to you today, um, just being better servants, a better body for you. pray for the youth, for Leonard. um, Just let it be a great morning for you, God. We love you and we praise you. Amen you want to stand up, we'll sing a little song about being joyful.
0: Joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. The clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of eternal gladness, fill us with the light of day. You are the one who says, You are the one who says, You are the one whose head lift us from the grave, you are the light of life, the everlasting day, you are the one who takes all our sins away. are giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, fountains of the joy of living, ocean depths of happy rest. You are the one who says, you are the one who says you are the one whose hands lift us from the ground. You are the line of life, the everlasting day. You are the one who takes all our sins away. Jesus, you are my rescue. Jesus, you are my rescue. i give you everything I am. Jesus, you are my rescue. Jesus, you are my rescue. I give you everything I am. Jesus, you are my rescue. Jesus, you are my rescue. I give you everything. Jesus, you are my rescue, Jesus, you are my rescue, I give you everything I am, you are giving and forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Fountain of the joy of living Ocean depths of happy rest. You are the one who saves You are the one who saves You are the one whose hands List us from the grave You are the light of life The everlasting You are the one who takes all our sins away You are the one who takes all our sins away You are the one who takes all our sins away
2: That was really good. Go ahead and have a seat if you like. Uh, we're going to do something just a little bit different right at the moment. Um, first of all, uh, we got one more song right after uh, I, I share what, with, with you what I'm going to share. And then our kids are, are free to go uh, now, if, if you like, just as we're getting things um, uh, into, into focus here. Um, if you came in and you found these little cups right here, uh, we use those for communion, and if, if you didn't notice that or didn't wasn't directed to that, um, uh, we, uh, y- you can raise your hand and we can get you a, a communion cup, or you can go outside to the back of the uh, foyer there and find it there on the table. Um, how many of you have ever struggled with uh, taking the little plastic thing off of the communion cup? Okay, well, our research team looked high and low for different options for the cup, and this really is kind of the only option that we have for now, so we have to make the best of it, don't we? Um, I wanted to start off by wishing our mothers a happy Mother's Day, and I hope that uh, God fills your hearts with joy, and that it's a blessed day, and uh, just a blessed day for, for all of our ladies uh, that are gathered. Uh, when you go, our ushers will have a, a just a devotional book for you guys, just as a uh, uh, just a reminder of, of the fact that you guys are appreciated um, but the whole notion of, of mothers assumes uh, a marriage oftentimes um, and, and and even when it doesn't there's still a covenant behind the, the life that is about to um, look at this cup in a special way um, marriages are based on covenants it's an agreement that you Go into, you prepare for it before you come up on the stage and you are exchanging vows and rings. And it's a stabilizing force in, in the life of a couple. And even deeper than that, Jesus wanted to stabilize the people that he called to be his followers, his church. And every Sunday, he encouraged us to meet together. Um, and to remember him in this special way by taking the loaf and the cup and allowing it to um, be consumed in a way that says we are consuming him into our lives. And we're reminding ourselves of the agreement that we have with him that he has saved us, he has bought us, we've been adopted, we are now his children, and now we want to follow him in allegiance and in obedience. And I, I want us to prepare for communion by, um, first we're going we're gonna to sing. The praise team is going to lead us. And then afterwards, um, I will direct you to take um, the loaf and the cup. And we'll remember him in this covenant and know that it is the anchor and the stabilizer and the foundation of our souls.
1: If you'd like to sit and reflect on the words, you can. If you'd like to stand and sing, I'll leave it up to you.
0: Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes sing hallelujah Christ is risen we'll bow down before him for he is Lord of all and sing hallelujah Christ is risen And sing Hallelujah! Christ is risen. We'll bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. And sing Hallelujah! Christ. blood of Jesus Christ has come to His altar, our Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
2: Us to just take our cup and our loaf and you can you can have a seat. And based on what we said about the covenant and its significance and how it is that we've just declared the praises of the Lord. Jesus in the upper room said every time you meet take this loaf and this cup. The loaf that is a body broken on a cross that atone for the sins of every human being that wanted forgiveness and reconciliation with God it is our way and so we take this, this loaf and we, and we eat of it and then he said this, this cup is my blood and it is the cup of the new covenant and every time you gather remember me through it as well Now, as we do that, um, and hopefully online, if you guys are gathering, uh, you're able to join us in communion in this way. And we certainly have uh, plenty of communion cups of that, of that kind that you're welcome to drop by the church any time and pick up, and we'll give you as many as you need. So um, I'm, I'd like to just uh, bow now and, uh, and go before the Lord with you guys, and let's uh, take this time before him. Lord, thank you for your cleansing blood that atones for our sins, that gives us peace and reconciliation. Thank you for cleansing our souls in ways that only you can. Thank you, Lord, for establishing us through this covenant and enabling us to be your people and uh, vessels for your voice here on earth. Father, as we go into this time in your word, we pray that you would sanctify it, you tune our hearts and our minds to the realities of your kingdom, and that you help us to be a visible representation of everything that you value, Lord. Those things that you prioritize, may they be our priorities, and may we continually grow into the mind of Christ as you transform us in this season, And I just want to lift up this time to you and pray that our hearts would be open to receiving what it is that you are are, are, are telling us and speaking into our lives. And as we do that, Father, I just pray that you help us to tune our hearts and our minds to everything we've just done and thought about and said uh, as we pray together our Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven um, uh, these, uh, these next few minutes, and hopefully we sanctify them to the Lord and uh, keep all the distractions of our wondering thoughts and everything that uh, God is um, uh, laying before us, uh, making it visible and making us aware. So I'm hoping that we're able to have that posture as we gather for this last part of the Sermon on the Plain, uh, which is what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And I hope it's been refreshing for your soul as much as it has been for mine and I know Rich as well as we've been preparing these messages and his teachings that follow uh, afterwards. uh, It's really been, for me, it has been life-giving. It has been so helpful, but it has also been painful in some ways uh, because um, the word has a way of taking the things that are inside of us and bringing them to the surface and then we have to deal with them. Not a bad thing in the end, but painful along the way, and I suspect God's been doing that to you guys as well. Um, and as uh, as we gather, I, I want you to know that this gospel that we have been reading, the gospel of Luke, was written for a friend. That's how he says it. To my friend Theophilus, my dear Theophilus, that guy that is struggling with his faith in ways that... I understand, and maybe I'm the only one who can share the word effectively with you. And so he very carefully spent time preparing this set of images that describe the life of Christ that we call the book of Luke. And as Jesus is getting ready to really just launch his ministry with his disciples, he's had to lay some groundwork, and he's had to establish things so that people know This is really the basis by which we move forward with the good news of the kingdom. And it's been refreshing for me to just ask the question once again, what is it like to follow Jesus through the story of Luke as we follow him week by week and as we ask the question, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me at this spot, at this step? And I think today's message actually, in light of what we've been going through for the last year, year and a half, um, is incredibly appropriate. Because it has to do with where your foundation is and what it is that is the basis for your, your life here on earth. Now, you, you, got, you guys hear it raining out there? you know, I hear the rain and I have mixed feelings because part of me says, I could sure use some sunshine right now. Another part of me says, I am so thankful I got my grass mowed yesterday. Another part of me says, I'm grateful that because I live in the country, my well is being recharged with water. Another part of me says, water, home ownership, property. Water is very powerful and very destructive, isn't it? And if you live on a hill or near a hill, you know what water does. Very quickly, it begins to just mount up into into little little pools and then streams and rivers flowing through your property. And invariably, uh, the way our road is set up on Lisbon Road, the rain uh, comes from down the hill because we're sort of on the hill going down, and it will just come right alongside the road, not into the ditch, but alongside the road. And over time, what it did was it, it essentially washed out a big divot right as our driveway connects with the road. Okay, so you pull in and boom, boom, and then you know you're home. Um, you, you know, your, your, your teeth are, are rattling inside your skull and you think, oh, it's, I'm home. And we did that for a number of years. And I would get these rocks and I would fill that divot. And sure enough, the rains would come and the rocks would wash away. So I thought, well, I'm gonna get over on you, Mr. Rain Cloud Destroyer of all driveways. And I got the biggest rocks that were available at the landscape place. I don't remember the number, but I just, I need some huge rocks for these holes that I have in my driveway. And they said, sure, we can give you some, and they should fix your problem. So long story short, truck came, filled this, you know, wide divot that was about like that, that was, had become at this point uh, a competitor with the Panama Canal. So I, I had it filled up, and I'm, I'm like, oh, great. Well, I remember coming to work, and it rained really hard. And as I was going back up the hill, I saw, like, rocks on the side of the hill, And they looked familiar, they were big. And I'm like, where are those rocks coming from? As it turns out, those rocks were my rocks that are probably now at the bottom of the hill where Lisbon Road intersects with Route 14. Um, They just didn't stay where they needed to stay. And I decided that obviously my strategy of being preemptive regarding the destruction of my driveway need some work. So here's what I did. Got my credit card, went to $100 Home Depot, you know what I mean, and I said I need cement, the hardest cement you got, and I need some rebar, a lot of it. And so I got a whole bunch of rebar and a whole bunch of cement, and 18 bags of cement later, and I don't know how many pieces of rebar I had in there, but I think as it turned out, it was a 50-50 ratio between rebar and concrete. So I don't know if that's gonna do it or not, but so far, when I walked out to my driveway the other day, and it's going on three years, no cracks in the cement, no divot in the driveway, no problem, but man, 18 bags of cement, notwithstanding chiropractor bills that followed that. uh, It's a lot more complicated, isn't it? But essentially, this is what Jesus is talking about, is that rain is a very powerful force. And we're getting ready to read the last little section of this sermon about the foundations that we lay and the forces that work against it. Now... You and I have been in a season of our lives that none of us has ever experienced. And my kids keep asking me, have you ever gone through a time like this? And I, I keep telling them, well, I didn't go to Woodstock and I wasn't in World War II. And, uh, and I, you know, uh, but I said, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that compares to what we've gone through. And as we've gone through it, it's had a deeper effect on me than I think anything that I've experienced in my 30 years. And I have to ask myself, what is it that God is doing in the midst of a pandemic that I know is not of his doing? But I also know that God is sovereign overall. And if anything, he's allowing this. And in the process, if he's allowing it, he's up to something. And I think, like so many things, we're asking the question, God, what are you up to? But even more so, if we can just put the first slide up, the question is, what are we going to look like on the other side? And where is the other side? And as we're going through this, how is it that we want to go through it? And if it is an opportunity that God is using for us to perhaps hear his voice. God is obviously going to be working to change us and transform us and to help us to be the people that we need to be. And so on the other side of this, what do you want your life to look like? And I honestly believe that God is looking at each of our lives and he's allowing things to happen in our lives so that on the other side, whatever the other side is, will be the people that he calls us to be. And there's a lot of things that God sees when he sees you and I. Because he sees with absolute clarity. He is fully aware of the good, the bad, and the ugly of every part of our being. And I think a lot of times we're just kind of aware. Um, Obviously, I mentioned marriage a minute ago and, and mothers. Like I had a mom who basically said, you can do no wrong. And I have a wife that says, I'm nah, not so sure about that. And, um, I, but I needed to hear that because she has helped me grow so much by just actually indicating some things that I didn't pay attention to, wasn't aware of, and have had to overcome. And I feel like as a result, as painful as it's been, um, it's been really good. Now, don't get me wrong. She's a, a, a great wife and... Uh, God, I think, orchestrated our, our, um, our marriage. But with the challenges of marriage, those kind of things come up. We sort of rub on each other in ways that make us more polished before the Lord. And as God is looking at just that as an illustration, he's thinking also about our life together with him. And the two actually parallel quite a bit. One of the things that's been very painful about the pandemic is our family has had to go through something that um, uh, I haven't had to experience in a long time. And that is, um, uh, very is two very close relatives are going through a divorce. And the pandemic has brought to the surface characteristics that have created a lot of tensions. And a lot of times we can gloss over things we can feel like business as usual but we can't right now we have to ask the question god what is it that we need to pay attention to as you bring it to the surface what are some of the things that god brings to the surface well he looks at your life and mine and he sees that we are broken and that stems all the way back from genesis chapter 3 And perhaps you've heard this before, but just a little bit of a review. This is where Adam and Eve in the garden, who had things going so well for them, who had their covenant with God in order, their covenant with each other in order, and really knew the boundaries of the relationship. And when they stepped out of that boundary, it began to fall apart. And as a result of that, if you look at the dynamics of Genesis 3, and feel free to read that sometime this week, these are the things that occurred The couple became defensive towards each other and towards God. They became so low in self awareness that they weren't taking responsibility for the things they needed to take responsibility for. The couple actually became isolated from each other, and then they were quick to blame the other for the things that had just happened. And they reacted rather than, and became in a reactive state about everything, primarily because they were naked and afraid, they were fearful. They were disconnected from God, disconnected from each other, and vulnerable to the forces at work in nature, and now the forces at work inside of them. As a result of that, became narcissistic and self-absorbed, addicted, and dishonest. And um, if you don't believe me, I'm happy to have a conversation with you and talk about how all those things in detail characterize that story, that fateful story. But I think all of us who come into this room, if we are honest, we know that that list describes us many, many times. And when God sees us, he does not want us to be in the state of brokenness. But rather, he wants us to establish our lives on the foundation that is Jesus. And that is why he came. And as he has a vision for your life and mine, you may be asking yourself, what is that vision and where do you see that going on the other side of the cross well when Jesus came into the world and he was preaching the good news he was actually trying to recover what was lost to begin with in Genesis 1 and 2 which is prior to Genesis 3 of course is this story about a couple living in harmony with God and with each other and with creation who are approachable who had an awareness about who they were and where they stood they knew their identity They were connected both to each other and to God and even themselves. They were honest and they were integrated. They were quick to take responsibility. They were given responsibility over the whole planet and God said, you're worthy of that. You're capable of that. They're non-reactive. They would stop and they would think about what they did before they reacted. Courageous, self-giving, and free. There's actually a continuum of of of, of life health that uh, the the doctors have put together when when they're measuring whether or not you are in a healthy space. And it's interesting how it's a secular continuum, but it actually parallels these two charts that I just gave you. And when I look at those charts, I recognize there's a gap between where you and I are and where God is calling us to be. And I'm not sure that the church has been entirely effective in helping us to close that gap. And I sometimes wonder if God hasn't allowed the pandemic to occur so that we can see just how much we need to do work inside ourselves to get right with him and with each other in ways that are healthy. And I know that the family members that I have mentioned who are going through a divorce, a lot of the things that are on the other chart about brokenness are very much a part of that experience. And I also know there are people that are here in this room that are staying together because they have and continue to work on that. And that helps them to stay grounded in the covenant that they have with God, and the covenant that they have with each other in the healthiest way possible. And that really is my goal as a pastor, is not only to grow a church with more people, but at the same time, it is vital and necessary for us to become whole again in Christ. And I believe these are the aims of Jesus as he is leading us through this sermon. And as we're getting ready to move into the passage. So here it is. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? Because there are some people who have this in their head, I just need to get saved and then I can do whatever I want. But it's not really about getting saved as much as it is about learning to live a life in conformity with God's will again. Obedience, allegiance. And there's a part of us that rebels against it. And there's a part of us that says, the way of Christ is the better way. So Jesus looks at the people who recognize that the way of Christ is a better way, and he says, those people that are come to me, coming to me, and they hear my words, and they do them, I will show you what that person is like. He's like a man building a house who... Dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream came, or the stream broke against the house, he could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of the house was, a, was great. And Actually, we did a message on this very passage uh, last fall. And I referenced the fact that the houses that Jesus was talking about were actually s- constructed on what in a desert part of the world, like the Middle East, is called a, a wadi. And that is a very dry riverbed that only fills up with water when it rains because the water comes rushing down from the mountain and then it can go from being completely bone dry to one minute later being 10 feet high. And essentially he says, according to the background of this passage, it is like building a house on that dry riverbed and then kind of hoping that it won't rain or if it does, your house will still be there. And everybody's just kind of laughing, actually, at this part of the sermon because they know how ridiculous it is to build your house on a dry riverbed. And they also know that Jesus is deadly serious about how he concludes this sermon because he's looking into the eyes of every person that is in the crowd, and he's asking them the question, is your life built on this foundation? Because if it is not, I don't have good news for you. And so when you look at this text, there are a couple of very simple principles to take away. Number one, as you hear the rain out there, storms are inevitable. They will happen. I remember at one point in my immaturity as an adult, thinking that if I can o- just overcome this problem, life will be good. And then there another, another problem comes up, and I'm like, if I can only get that sorted out, my life will be good. What I recognized over time was there's a pattern here. Every week, if not every day, has its own version of storms. So the issue isn't so much whether or not you're going to have them it really is what you're going to do as you face them. Are you prepared? Are you in a position where when they come, they don't overwhelm you? Storms are inevitable. And probably many of us have stories of storms, power outages. If you're from Illinois, tornadoes. Uh, If you're from Ohio, it's a lot of water sometimes. Invariably, there are hazards to storms, and some of you may be saying, I hope you get done with this sermon fast, because I don't know if our power goes out, we're going to have a basement full of water, and it's just a fact, which leads us to the second aspect of this very simple passage. Your personal and spiritual growth has to be intentional. Just like building a foundation of a house, it's gotta be intentional. You know the thing about putting gravel in that canal that is the entry point from the high, from the road to your driveway? I just asked a, a, a person with a truck to come and dump some gravel in there. The only labor that I had actually was writing the check. And After writing a few checks, my hand was getting tired. And I realized that there's going to be a lot more of you that gets tired after you get this thing in order. You actually have to do your due diligence. And Jesus is hes really telling these people, storms are going to come. Things are going to come to the surface in your life and in your world in your relationships and even with your connection to God and are you ready? Well, when is the best time to prepare for a storm? I mean, have you ever been that guy who's up working on the roof in the middle of the storm? I have to be honest with you, I've done that before, like, oh yeah, I should have took care of that. But now... Now, my wife asked me, what are you you doing on the shed the other day? Uh, I'm patching a hole in the roof that a branch put in it because there's a storm coming, and I want to be ready. And I wanted to hear from my wife, my, how you've matured. But, you know, she just said, after you're done with that, can you, and then you can fill in the blank. Well, the best time to prepare for a storm is before it comes. And Jesus is looking at you and I and he's really giving us some questions. And they are, how is your foundation? How is your spiritual, physical emotional foundation can it withstand the storms of life are you cutting corners are you overlooking some things you know you need to pay attention to you really can't get away from these questions because when the storm comes and you've cut corners or you've kind of rationalized in your head that I I really don't need to do that or can't do that now. Storms don't care. They do not care. They will come and they will beat you up. Unless you have a good foundation. And then it's just like being in this building. One of the beautiful things about this building that was built in 1958, 59, still standing. It's built... Jason, this building is built pretty well, isn't it? It, it, I'm only saying this because Jason has told me a number of times, this building, he says, I've been in a lot of buildings. This building is built very well. And some of you have actually probably been a part of the building of it or know somebody. And I think in so many ways that's a metaphor for something that lasts. Have you bought anything lately that just didn't work or last Let's be honest. Like practically everything you buy now either doesn't work or it doesn't last. And I'll tell you why. Something to do with what you read on the screen. Corners are cut or it's just not important. Just get it to where it needs to go. But we can't do that, people. God is giving us actually an opportunity. And if there's anything that I hope as we've done these message series is that we can teach it in a way that, that, that is understandable. that is meaningful enough that it has an emotional component where you're like, yes, I need that in my life because it's speaking to what I'm going through. And the third thing that we hope that will happen is we give you a way to apply it. Because as Jesus is looking at you and I, and as he's looking at me, he's saying, what are we doing to withstand the storm? What are we establishing as our foundation? Let me just, let me just call out a couple of attitudes, and, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, and, and they go like this. It's kind of like a continuum. There's a lot of people right now that I know are feeling very insecure And they're fearful. And I just want to tell them, turn off the media. Because it's programming your brain to think about the world only in the horizontal dimension. And tune into the things of God for just a little bit. I mean, on Easter, hopefully the case was made pretty clear from Daniel that God has established himself on the throne. He is in charge. And Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar, who went through his own crazy period of time that somehow parallels what we're going through, came to his senses finally, and the realization that there is only one God, and that God is in control, and there is nothing or no one that can move him. And so I hope you have confidence, instead of uncertainty, that our God reigns. And the reason I have confidence is because the Word of God establishes uh, an understanding that says He is in control. And no matter what happens, you need to rest in that. Jesus, in John 14, says, I think it was 33 or 36 said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take comfort in knowing I've overcome. Now you can actually go the other way from unsure to too sure, where you're sort of like not paying any attention to the things you need to pay attention to. I'm not saying pay too much attention to them, just enough to be responsible. It's almost like you gotta calibrate. Yeah, I need to pay attention to my finances. I need to pay attention to my relationships. I need to pay attention to my work. I need to pay attention to my home and the foundation and the things that keep it secure and safe and dry but you can overcalibrate it where you're like, I don't need to bother with that. And God gives us the wisdom to see what it is that we need to give energy and attention to and wisdom to see that we don't have to overdo it. It really isn't fun sometimes to calibrate our wisdom, but this sort of requires it. And the other way of saying this is insecurity versus arrogance. And insecurity, again, is just that sense of I'm not feeling secure right now, but I want to tell you something. If your heart is right with the Lord, he will take care of you. He'll watch over you. And sometimes even when we're not in that good space, he still says, yeah, I got to take care of them. And then there's arrogance. And arrogance is different than confidence because arrogance says, you know what, I I don't need that. Or I've got all the answers. But it's amazing how arrogance gets humbled by the storms of life. Confidence, on the other hand, is saying, I have confidence in the things of God. I have confidence that God is going to help us and, and that's different, and you have to be careful that you don't mix the two together too much. And as God is looking at you and I through the lens of this scripture, he really wants us to dial it in. To perhaps take the things that we've read in this whole sermon, all 49 verses, or all actually 20 verses, twenty seven forward and just kind of process it and hopefully as you do it convicts you a little bit I know it's convicted me about a lot of things and I'm grateful for that and some of it has to do with the very things I've just mentioned some of it has to do with the fear that I had as a church leader when this whole thing started And it was like you're constantly trying to figure out how to lead when there's no map. And you're also realizing that the stress of what you go through kind of reveals that you've got a dark side you need to deal with. And even as we're doing that, the only stabilizing influence in all of this has been the scripture going through Luke has been tremendously helpful for myself and I know many of you and I'm grateful for that. It's been stabilizing to go through the power habits and hopefully that's been beneficial for you guys as well. I've actually thought about doing another devotional guide. If you guys want me to do that, I I can. Um, But at the end of the day, we're trying to lay this foundation of the word in your life. And our prayer is, and we do, we've been doing a lot of praying about this, is that whatever post-pandemic looks like, and I'm not even sure what that is even going to mean, we're a different church, not in a bad way, because they estimate 30% of our churches are going to be gone, but we're a church in a good way. And God's been doing something in our lives. In the past, this is kind of what it looked like to go to church, traditionally. You meet Jesus, you attend, you connect, you serve, you grow, and you try to influence the world around you. Practitioners now are saying, no, that's not, that's not what God's saying to do. He's basically showing the church we got some foundational issues we gotta deal with. We got some heart issues that we have not paid attention to. And the stats bear it out. Whether you're looking at um, the behavior of the world in all of its categories to the behavior of the church, they basically say, they, they line up. Like going to the doctor's office. you know, I had my eyes examined the other day and he's tweaking it. And you ever get nervous like, I hope I give the right answer because he's saying, which one is it, the right or the left? And I'm afraid if I say the left and I'm just gonna go off and I'm gonna have bad contacts for two years. Or if I go to the right and it's gonna be yes, I can see now clearly. You ever have that anxiety? I actually do. And I went to the doctor's office a couple of weeks ago and there was a little bit of dirt on the lens and I stopped him and I said, um, you have some dirt on your lens, can you clean that off for me? And he looked at it, he's, oh, I guess I do. And he cleaned it off, and I'm, oh, that's much better. It didn't really help my decision process, but it stalled, at least gave me a little time. But when, when, when things lined up where he's like better or worse, and I'm like, no, it's the same, it's exactly the same. What God wants to do is look at his church and say, here's the way you were in your brokenness. And here's how you are now in your redeemed state in Christ. And the two are very, very different when you look through the lens. He doesn't want them to come together and say, oh, I don't see any difference at all. But rather, he wants them to come together and say, I see my people, and I see my word, and I see that it's the same image. I actually see Jesus when I see my people. Wouldn't that be cool if through your personality, and through your mindset, and through your posture towards life, that when people looked at you, they saw Jesus like they saw Jesus, except for probably the, some of the great healings, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but every other way, I believe Luke is saying, it's expected, but it's going to have to happen at a deep level, you know, that iceberg where you see the tip of it, and the... that's going on inside of you is the stuff that God is working on right now. So here's my challenge. There are some of us that when you look at the scales of how we give our time and attention to the things of God, it might look like this. I'm gonna spend a little bit of time being with God, but man, that scroll on social media, I can't can't get enough of it. Prayer, I don't have time for prayer right now. Reading the Bible, I'm too busy, or I'm too distracted, but I'm going to do things for God, for sure. But there's something about that scale that doesn't quite jibe with God, and he's saying that, now nah, we, got, we got some work to do here. Now, there's some of us that are nerds, and here's our response, being with God, being with God, being with God, being in the Word, being in prayer, being with God, being in the Word. Oh, yeah, doing for God. Oh yeah that's the thing and God saying, no that's not right either that's got to come correct and so God says this I want you to spend an appropriate amount of time with me with my people with my word and prayer because it's vital for building that foundation for preparing you for the storm because the storms will come but I also want you to be asking the question God what are you doing in the world around us? What do you want to do? What are you seeing that we can't see in Salem, Ohio, in the high school, with our kids? And those are the questions that the elders right now are wrestling with. How is it that we can be the church as we reestablish our foundation? a church on mission, a church that takes Ephesians 4, Matthew 28, and Acts 2 seriously and does that. So at the end of this message, I want to give you four practical questions to move forward with. And that is in the course of this series of messages on this sermon, or even today What has God been saying to you lately? What's been nagging at your conscience? What is that thing that you keep hearing from him that you know is the right thing? And then based on that, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And you may be saying, Pastor, it is too big and too overwhelming. Let me just say this, the Bible mostly describes a way of life of followers as a journey. We're just on our way. Now, if you ever go on a journey, how do you get there? Hopefully in a coordinated way, one step at a time. That's it. Don't take it all on at once. Just start moving in the right direction. Moving away from the things that are misleading you. And I don't know what those things are. They could be addictions, but they could be something as dramatic as, like I mentioned before, the church's biggest competitor right now. I honestly believe this. The media. When am I going to do it? If you don't have a date, a timeline, you won't do it. And then, what's my next step? And your next step may be, well, I'm already a follower of Jesus, and I saw the scales, and I need to work on either being more with God or doing more for God. I need to perhaps think about what God's placed on my heart regarding what's happening at work and the things that I can do to be a voice to people that are hurting. I don't know what it is, but I have to believe that God is giving you something that's an area of concern. And he's saying, I want you just to start by praying and asking me how it is that I can do whatever it is I need to do. And it may involve a relationship. It may involve your connection with God. And maybe your next step is, I need to get baptized. I need to join the family of God and move in the spirit of God that I don't fully understand, but seems to make a difference in this whole process of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus. And we want to help you with that if we can. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but I would strongly encourage you at the end of this message, if you believe what Jesus said about establishing your foundation, to take that next step. Would you bow with me? Our Father, as we, in a spirit of surrender once again, receive from you our guidance for our next step, I pray that you would work in every heart here to respond. Perhaps it's to a prompting that you've given your people to serve the community or the lives around us in ways that we've been too timid and too fearful towards. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here that you have tenderly and graciously and patiently nudge forward in a closer relationship with you because it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. I just pray for anyone here, Lord, that you have been working on, that you help us in the next steps that they need to take to come alongside and to introduce them to you. Father, I pray that this opportunity is not wasted. But rather, it is a moment unlike any other moment in our lives. We want to be different. We want to be established and rooted and grounded on the rock that is immovable. And that is you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking our fear away and helping us once again to feel secure. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the confusion, establishing us in a new identity in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, when we are fearful of scarcity, that you provide our daily bread and everything we need for everything that is important by your standard in our lives, whether it is our covenant with our wife, our covenant with you, our relationship with each other, or your mission to the world around us. Help us, Father, to be in tune with those things and to just cast aside those things that distract. In Jesus' name, amen. We close. uh, If you've
1: got any questions or ready to take next steps. We've got the studio, we've got Brittany, Leonard, myself, the elders. Um, Find whoever you want. We're going to be meeting in here after this service. There'll be people you can talk to. Um, And like I said, we're going to sing one more and go out and get a little wet on the way to the cars. The sun
0: comes up, it's a new day, dawn. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass, and whatever lies before me, let me sing. Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his. Hope. Near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing Your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. So bless the Lord.
1: Uh, give this time to you. I pray for everybody as we go here that we put you first in everything. Keep our eye on you and show your love to everybody that we can. Just uh, help us lean into you more, God, to rely on you. Rely on your strength to get us through because you are the only thing that's steady in this life. We love you and we praise you for that. Just uh, pray that we can gather again next week in this place in your name. We love you and praise you. Amen. Have a nice day.